This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. So, Chris, there are just a few days left for you to reserve your favorites for Christmas and Hanukkah. The ordering deadline is December 21st. And, of course, don't forget all those great side dishes, rib roast, Loretta Jean's pies, and more. You can order online at zupans.com slash holiday, or just go in-store and stop by the Holiday Concierge. Easy to find. Also, 12 Days of Wine has begun. You can check out Zupan's Markets on Instagram or visit zupans.com for daily sales on magnums and exclusive bottles from the Zupan seller, perfect for the celebratory season. And, of course, we've talked about this often. Zupans.com, where you sign up for the news feed, uh, you get the exclusive offers and deals. A sneak peek coming up uh, for the end of the month, 25% off all caviar. That's great. That's taking place at the end of the month, so plenty of time for you to sign up for the news feed at zoopans.com. Three locations, West Burnside, McAdam, Lake Oswego, and Weircourt. Zoopans.com. All right, here we go. Time once again, Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. And I'm Court Johnson from Kink Radio here in Portland, 1019 Kink. We're at the end of the year. We've actually just got a few days left until 2019 is over. And we thought it would be appropriate to do a repeat episode as you're out uh, doing your last minute holiday shopping. Uh, Going back to August of 2017, our conversation with Tommy Habits and uh, everything he's got going on with Bunk and Pizza Jerk. Now, again, this is two years old. There have been some things that changed, but it's uh, very insightful. Tommy and Chris will talk about their backgrounds growing up in uh, Connecticut. Also going to talk about what it was like to uh, be at Ripe in the early days, how a a group of young chefs would eventually set the tone for the Portland food scene that we see today. We also get into Tommy's love of music. So a uh, cornucopia of topics. That's appropriate for this time of year, right? Uh, with Tommy Habits. It's episode 131, a classic episode of Right at the Fork. Enjoy. Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more, with a delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupan's on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove. And at Zupan's.com, Eat well, put taste first, love your food. By Ringside Steakhouse. Owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late-night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, a business dinner, or just a great night out, make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com today. I'm good. Your levels look no, good. Sing out. Gotta, gotta sing get out. rid of me. If you want to <laughs> sing out, sing out. If I, you want to be free. Are you going to do your show here today? <laughs> <clears throat> I was going to say, do you now consider yourself a professional? <laughs> I don't think I've ever considered my, myself a professional of anything, except maybe a jackass. 
Oh, good. Well, we'll talk about that. How's that working out for you? How's that it's career? Been, it's been a very fruitful and uh, fabulous career so far. So, <laughs> speaking of careers, um, when did you know you wanted to cook? Uh, I don't know. I mean... Or do you, have you not yet figured that out? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you mean for a living? Yeah, for a living. <laughs> Can you do that? Um... Can you cook for a living? Is I don't know. You tell me. You tell me. I'm not sure. I'm still figuring that out. Um, I don't. You know, I, the the to me, it's funny. Uh, I did not grow up in a very food, like a big food family. I have five brothers. Grew up in Connecticut, uh, as we've thought. You know. I think yeah, we'll talk about know. that a little yeah. bit. We're gonna. T- if Heather's listening, because Heather used to tell me that we, I should probably not talk about Connecticut as much as I do. <laughs> Who's Heather? Heather Jones, who uh, start, I started this podcast. Oh, okay, yeah, so yeah. So Heather uh, used to be sitting in that seat. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right and she's a dear friend, but this is going to be the Connecticut. It is funny. Episode. I used to, I used to be a little bit. It was. I feel like the whole time I was. Are we recording this? Is it? Oh yeah. Oh, we're rolling. I, I feel. I, I thought so. so uh, the um. I, I used to kind of hide that I was from Connecticut more, and the older I get, I, the more I wear it as a as a badge of honor. Why well, would you I, hide it? You know, because it was just like, I mean, it was the land of Martha Stewart in some way. People had these preconceptions of like- Upper, like, conne- upper, yeah. upper middle class, yep. hoity-toity. So it's for the same reason when I moved out here, I learned that I had to hide that I lived in Lake Oswego for a while. Mm. You couldn't you couldn't mention that to anybody, but that was totally yeah. But I, if someone asked me where in Connecticut are you from, sure. I would just say Fairfield County, right? Because that would that would spread it out a little bit. But if I said Darien, it was immediately oh, so yeah, exactly. I can't help it. I mean, I when I was two years old, I didn't choose to move there for sure. <laughs> so <laughs> no, I, I was born I, d- I was born in Bridgeport, so right. But I did choose to move out, so I take that yeah, as a badge exactly, of honor. Exactly. And, I, and I there's parts of Connecticut, but so you and I grew up. Not far from each other, like really close, but you were, I was on the more of the Gold Coast side yeah. and you were on more of the, the B-Port side. Totally. I would, I would <laughs> tell people I was from Bridgeport for right. sure because my dad was from Bridgeport. Even My mom's from Newtown, so. Yeah, and Bridgeport was tough. For sure. Like we didn't even, those of us from there, <laughs> we didn't even go through there. If we went through there. God, it was just, on our way to somewhere else on the highway. That was it. But you would never venture down the streets. I was in Connecticut last year doing a poetry conference. Mm, actually, really? Yeah, I actually was. Oh, so the cooking thing isn't working out. <laughs> well, this was a. Uh, I did a cooking dem- demonstration at a poetry conference. Nice. Yeah. How'd you end up there? How did that happen? It was uh, my prof- a professor of mine from college, uh, Dr. Kim Bridgeford fantastic poet is this fairfield university yeah Fair, she was at fairfield university I, I she's took some summer courses there oh right on yeah that i went there because my mom worked there she worked in public relations so uh i got the free tuition to fairfield so. nice but in those days that was only really a discount of a few thousand bucks it wasn't like a, <laughs> a multi it wasn't like a right like a well, i think like a yeah, life-changing. An inheritance right yeah. <laughs> uh, i think by the end of like by the end of my career it was probably i think a lot of friends of mine still ended up with the, Big the, the burden, yeah. Boy, when I and I'm showing my age here, but when I went to college, I just found it. My uh, tuition was at the University of Arizona was about nine hundred bucks a semester, <laughs> out of state, out of state. Wow, that's what my registration that's certificate awesome. said. So right. anyway, I digress. Yeah. So can I? Yeah. I mean, I uh, gosh, I don't know what, but it was uh, always a thing. I think I always. I think people had preconceptions of Connecticut, and when I was growing up, wherever I'd go, you're like, you didn't want. Mario, when I worked for Mario Batali, 
would uh, always make fun of me from being from Connecticut and like all these jokes about me being from the nutmeg state. And I was like, dude, you're from the Emerald City. Come on, quiet, calm down. So, um, <laughs> but so that, that, how did you get from Fairfield to Maria, working for Maria Batali? How, <sighs> how did that go? Well, I, um, yeah, I mean, by, so I think what got, I think I was starting when you asked me how I got into cooking. And, and uh, so, yeah, I didn't come from a very foodie, food focused family, although I have an aunt who was from Apulia. She married my, my uncle, my mom's brother, uh, when he was in the Navy in the 50s. And she was an amazing cook. And so definitely like my first greatest food impressions. And in that in that area of Connecticut, it's all about, I think, the Italian influence. You know, I mean, that's the they had such an incredible the people of Italy moved to the New York area and Connecticut and Long Island, and New Jersey had a profound impact on the food. And they went up to New Haven there. and invented Pizza. Exactly. Really? Yes. <laughs> Those people in New York, you can yes, chime in. Thank you, How Italian you? people. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, that to me was what I loved. I mean, I loved my aunt's cooking. I loved going over to my cousins whenever I could. And whether it was pancakes or baked ziti or, or anything she would make was, and pizza, she would make pizza. It was incredible, you know? And so, uh, I went to, I always loved cooking. I got really into it. You know, I think my, you know, once my older brother started moving away, I had friends, friends who cooked and, you know, learning about Indian food and what is cumin and what, <laughs> which by the way, that was not something you found in Connecticut. No, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It was you know, just like, food, yeah. we had a couple of Chinese restaurants yeah. as I remember. Mm-hmm. And Man, other than that, it was like a lot of Italian and some seafood. Yeah, like general, when you are a kid in Connecticut, you learn, I mean, pretty much anywhere, though, but you learn about General Tso's chicken, and you're just like, wow, this is heaven. <laughs> this is amazing. This is exotic. <laughs> yeah, I remember my From first this Chinese is, experience. This is not, you know, burgers and dogs. and. Did you go you to know. Westlake and Westport at all, the Chinese restaurant? Right no, there was there was a really good Chinese place in Westport though that we used to like. It was a treat for us when we were in school. We would like every so often go to this one place in Westport, and I can't remember. The I name can't of believe it. there was another one because we used to. It, just I don't go think there. it was called Westlake though. Okay, okay. Although maybe that was the one in Greenwich. I don't know. Uh, maybe we used to go one. They they wouldn't have a Chinese restaurant in Darien. <laughs> that would not happen. I'm surprised so. they had one in Greenwich. <laughs> <laughs> no, they had one. Yeah, you're right. They had um, it there. So <laughs> it I'm sorry. I don't mean. Anyways, to, uh, yeah, we digress. So uh, I anyway, I started cooking. Um, it was I always liked. You know, I was kind of like the friend that cooked that always like would make you know spaghetti meatballs for his other friends or try some try to make but stuff. But that had but to then, come from somewhere because you, well, probably from my aunt and just like and also like I'm the youngest of six boys, so it's like I was. There's a lot of survival mode going on. I think for me, you know, I definitely had to cook for myself. I mean, you know, learning to do stuff like you know, no, I think like I, and I've always said this because like being a heavier guy and whatever, you know, like one of the curses of being a good chef, being a good cook is like knowing how to do that stuff. You know, it's just like, I know how to make things taste really delicious and really, like, really you know, so that just came second nature. I mean, I, you're yeah, not I think it was all those things culinary I mean, school or anything here. You're just, no, no. So, I mean, I did go to a, a small culinary school, a natural foods culinary school. Uh, to me, I was, for me, the cooking part of it, I was really into the traditional stuff. I mean, my, I, my grandmother, who's now 103, uh, had a farm and grew up on a farm in Newtown. And uh, I was always kind of interested in her stories about how they used to, you know, you know, whatever, all the stuff they used to do, you know, whether it was just like holding vegetables 
you know, for the winter or whatever, however they did that. That was all kind of cool to me when I was younger and teenager and stuff. And so when I went to the natural foods cooking school, cookery school. Was that was after called, Fairfield After University? Fairfield U. I did, after Fairfield U, I came out here to Portland and I did Habitat for Humanity for a year. That's how I first came to Portland, Oregon. I did a year of volunteer work in Northeast Portland. There's houses that I helped build that are still standing. Wow. Yes. Cool. Family st- uh, uh, I fam- just read about all the Sears houses. So there's Sears houses and Tommy houses. <laughs> uh, so um, I went back to New York. I was playing music and uh, living in Hoboken with friends. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, Alice Marcus, who is an awesome, awesome person living in Brooklyn, uh, Gardner, <laughs> uh, she uh, recommended I go to this, check out the school. Um, that was a really short program and I was like, I needed to do, needed something to do, needed work. Anyway, I started, uh, I went to that school, um, which was a really short program. It was a woman named Amory Colbin who started it. She's written a number of books and it was really kind of ahead of its time. It's still going on. It's got a little bit of a different name now, but, um, it was definitely ahead of its time when talking about, you know, raw foods and, um, macrobiotics and, uh, um, just any, you know, cook, you know, cooking for people, you know, with, uh, cancer, uh, just stuff like that. That was just like very, very, I think, uh, I mean the raw foods thing, especially, I mean, that kind of really took off after, after I did that. But it sounds like you, you had instilled in you a very altruistic character. Yeah. Right? I, do, so, I mean, you know, I mean, I think that gets beaten into you a little bit by the Jesuits, which I went to Jesuit high school and college and my parents are really, really good people. So, you know, gee, I never had that beaten into me, that altruistic. How about you? I've been fighting against it for my whole life. (laughs) I've been trying to not say anyway. (laughs) And, but now we're all parents, so we have to. True. Right now it's when your parents, well, you probably had this, Chris, where you're like, do I parent the same way my parents parented or do I go the complete opposite? Oh, I don't want to get into that. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. No. We ought to have that episode someday. Let's just, sure. Let's just have our therapy episode. Yeah. But um, but you uh, were you a good student in school? So I was a good student. I was a pretty good student. Yeah, I definitely was, you know. Because we were not good students, and we had a we had this really liberal high school in Darien. I don't know what was going on in Fairfield, but and I, I was a, I was just a couple of years before you. But oh my God, we none of, of all the people were good students. But the people I hung around with, we were able to get through a really good high school, one that was one of the best in the state, without working very hard oh, in yeah, those yeah. days. So yeah. I never had the discipline. Well, I don't think I had discipline. I think just I know I stuff kind of came to me, and like I don't know. I wasn't, I no. wasn't really like a good student in that. I like went, you know, I was like, I wasn't on the debate team or anything like that, no, but okay. like, and I just like, music. I did all right. You were into music. Yeah. I was too. just really into like arts and what was like the first Mark concert Reed. you went to? Simon and Garfunkel. Actually. Nice. Where was <laughs> at it? Shea Where Stadium. Was it? At Shea Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Oh yeah. God, my parents a... took us down to that. It's actually, I do I like one of the first shows that I ever saw that was like probably right around that. Cause that was like when they did that. Central Park record, and they kind of got back together, I guess, in the 80s sometime. Uh, I did go to see, my brothers would take me, it was, it was you know, I was very much exposed to music through them. And Especially so, you had all older brothers, yeah, so you yeah. had a ton of influence. Mm-hmm. Totally. My, like, my brother Johnny was really into folk, so 
he took me to the Newport Folk Festival like the first year they restarted doing it again, which was now like 20 years ago. Or and then how old, were you, ago. how old were you then? I was really pretty young. I think I was like junior high or high school. Oh, cool. And uh, like my brothers took, but I did go to see uh, the band open up for Crosby, Stills and Nash at the Hartford Civic Center. I must have been like 12 or 13. And Richard, I, I think I saw that tour of Madison Square Garden. Richard Manuel was still playing with the band at the time he like killed himself in florida like uh, that year like a year later so i mean that was a pretty incredible thing to get to see so you know the album cover bob dylan and the band yeah yeah i was at that show oh, right Madison Square Garden. Oh, nice. and then we saw like stevie wonder like a week later huh. pretty crazy yeah yeah time but yeah you definitely have those few years on me to like see some really cool shit you know yeah but i was i was after woodstock like my brother wanted to go to woodstock i think he was 14 or something that so, wasn't even on my radar. I was still. I was still. Well, I, mean, I, was I just wouldn't into care sports. about Woodstock so much as like New York in the seventies. You know, like getting to travel down to see shows anywhere, CBGB or Mud Club. Or yeah, I never went for. I went to the bigger shows. So Deep Purple at Madison Square Garden. Oh, I saw cool. that was the first show. And yeah, but my here, let me ask you this, because you grew up in the same environment. Uh-huh. My parents let us get on a train at fourteen yep. years old. Totally to go in and see Deep Purple. A bunch of eight of us. Yeah. Not even, we didn't have cell phones, right? No, I know. So just go in and totally. see the show. I was just saying that. I would go to see shows at CBGB, any show that I could that was an all-ages show, I would totally go down to, to see. At that age? At yeah, that my, young? My, yeah, 14, 15, 16. Yeah, and there's yeah. no supervision, no check-in. Because just... the Great Jones Cafe just closed, that, um, which uh, was, like to me, a really a big uh, influence when I was younger. Uh, I don't know if you ever went there. There's this great little restaurant on Great Jones Street bright orange facade uh, and just really good New Orleans food and a great jukebox, you know. And Mark Eibold from uh, Pavement was uh, working there for like the last like seven or eight years or something. No, I wasn't into, I heard about the New York scene because I was, when I was 19 or 20, I went and I got through my brother this job at the Whiskey of Go-Go as a stage manager and lighting director. So everybody who would come to the Whiskey was also playing CBGBs at the time, but mm-hmm. I'd never, I'd never done that whole New York thing downtown, anything but the big venues in high school. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, it was, that was just so romantic to me. Definitely when I was younger, I mean, I really was really, really influenced by, by New York, by not only by, by punk and, but, but all the art, you know, and theater, you know, I mean, Sam Shepard who just died yesterday. Uh, big, big, huge, huge influence on me when I was younger. What was the first play? You, what was the first thing you remember him? That well, like, I mean, I guess I thought my brother you. was. I thought my so my brother Michael was an actor when he was younger. I acted too when I was younger, and uh, I thought he was in a production of True West. But I guess we went to see it together. So, um, and I actually saw True West on Broadway with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman and John C. Riley. Oh they, man, yeah, they did. That's it was like two thousand. I was like, two, I think it was 2000, 2001 or something. They did this. And so the play that, uh, that Sam Shepard play is primarily it's two brothers. And, uh, it was famously, I think kind of the, the classic one was John Malkovich and Gary Sinise who did it at the Steppenwolf theater. And, uh, they, it's like one brother's the bad brother. One brother's the good brother is kind of how it is. Cain and Abel is the, you know, Cain and Abel story. So, um, so you kind of have these expectations of, with that with John C. Riley and Philip Seymour Hoffman about who was going to be who, but they, pl- so they did that play, each of them remembering the whole play and switching roles as wow. brothers every other week or every two weeks they would do a run as, 
It was insane. Just or, insane. Have you ever seen John C. Riley and Dr. Steve Stephen Brule? Oh, totally. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I we uh, uh, we um, bunk. We I can talk about bunk, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the idea. On my show, I can't talk about my 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 businesses, so I, was, I, I so it's weird for me to do that on a. On no, a show. you talk about it all you want. Get it all out, by the way. I know. And a lot of pent And up we're not bunk. very good for self promoting, so I guess we're yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, we brought some sandwiches. My friend um, Mikey uh, Kim was a. Uh, he has been touring with and working with those guys with um, Tim and Eric and for a while now. And they did. They came up to the theater that's right next to the Schnitz. I forget the New Mark, maybe. New Mark, yeah. yeah. And uh, and yeah, I got to see Tim and Eric, and then and John C. Riley was with them. We brought them sandwiches. Um, I don't think Tim Wareheim. I mean, uh, Eric Wareheim was very impressed because that guy's like super. I mean, I'm not on his level as far as food goes. He's like super duper foodie. <laughs> I'm kidding. I digress. I'm sure I liked him. Who is um, it? Who is I don't know. Eric Wareheim? Yeah. Oh, Tim and Eric? Well, that's, I mean, Dr. Steve Brule is on Tim and Eric's show. Oh, those guys. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, those guys. So, yeah, so, um, and, and Eric Wareheim's on. considering you're not, you're not oh, in I'm just league? joking. I'm oh. joking. I was just being, I'm being. Oh, self-deprecating. Yeah, self-deprecating humor. Connecticut. Yeah. Right there. there. That's yeah. where it comes from. It is. It might, I think it is a Connecticut thing, actually. I, it yeah. must be. Thank you. I'm just... <laughs> Man, it's from my dad anyways, I guess. Yeah. But um, no, so uh, we got to, Those got guys to go are see nuts, the... nuts, by got, the way. Oh, so great. Uh, and Eric, Eric Wareheim's on that show, uh, Master of None, with Aziz Ansari, who's a huge food guy also. I mean, and I met Aziz through uh, John and Vinny down in LA, the, the animal guys, who are super awesome, awesome people too. So... All these like uh, comedians, especially, are really are really into food, really into sandwiches. It's awesome. So we we brought them some sandwiches when they were doing that show, and I got to go see the show. And uh, John C. Riley did like I swear to God, like an hour of improv as Doctor Steve Brule. He like was bringing oh, people no. on stage. It was insane. I've never seen. I really like coming, especially coming as in, from having acted in my life, you know, on stage, like to just be up there and be comfortable enough in a character to do improv for an hour. Well, it's also to do that on TV. <laughs> for those who don't know, it's on Adult Swim, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how often it still runs, but my yeah, son, t- my son turned me onto it. And the first year, I remember telling people, I've never laughed so hard. And then the <laughs> second year, I, was, I actually said to him, I'm out. I can't. Some of this is so disgusting. <laughs> it's pretty, It's yeah, beyond it's me when it comes to disgusting. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. pretty. Um, anyway. But he, he's Classic, and then he with Will Ferrell, he's fantastic. Oh yeah, for sure. Step Brothers, yeah, oh, so good. Or um, Talladega Nights, or anything. I mean, anyway, so good. John John Riley. I mean, but he's such a great actor, great comedian. You know, like he's he's an incredible dramatic actor. You know, it's just like it's unbelievable. Anyway, so yeah, Sam Shepard, New York, huge influence on me. I think it gets impossible. To, you know, Lou Reed. Did you have a a band? Yeah. Growing up, that was like the band. I, I mean, mine was Deep Purple that I went to. Oh, d- uh, yeah, I had a I, lot, I played but in that bands, was the one that, say, yeah. that's no. the one that got spun a oh, lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. For me, I would say, like, I don't know. Well, it's funny. I mean, I, I was just talking about this recently because so with, with the older brothers, like one of the things is you have these sort of set expectations of, like, this is the best. Like, Dylan's the best. Lou Reed's the best. You know, like, Joni Mitchell. You know, that's kind of... And so... I, uh, I had this whole thing where like I, the first three, I was talking about the first three, my grandmother giving me, it was like, must've been like 1984, I guess. 
Christmas, my grandma Habits still alive, gave me twenty dollars, which I could go and buy three cassette tapes for at Sam Goody at that point, five ninety nine. Mm-hmm. I know exactly where it was, <laughs> right on Campo Road. And uh, so, I went and got uh, my three, my first three cassettes that I ever bought were Twisted Sister, Stay Hungry, mm. Van Halen, nineteen eighty four, and Billy Squire, Signs of Life. Wow! And I was a ro- I was a rocker. <laughs> And um, and the, so the whole thing was like my my brother and his friends were kind of like yeah you know here's here's Joy Division here's you know like I was listening to like Pink Floyd yeah Pink Floyd's all right but listen if you really like the dark stuff check this out you know kind of thing they're always really trying to help me and push me in the right direction and it did I mean for sure I'm so ever forever grateful for that but at the same time it's sort of like I denied myself the just pure joy of Twisted Sister or, or whatever you know. And so it wasn't I wonder until, if those words have ever been in the same sentence before. Pure, pure joy. joy and twisted sisters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, come at, on. At that age, of course. Are you kidding me? Know. And I've gone back, like, I've listening, listening to um, We're Not Gonna Take It with your, with a, it's amazing to listen to We're Not Gonna Take It by Twisted Sister with your, like, five-year-old little girl mm-hmm. who is feeling it so much, like, she just is not gonna take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, where does that what come from? What kind of misery is going on over there? <laughs> so as long as we're talking about because, Court, we've never done this, and I'm sorry to get... What was your... Do you remember your first albums that you bought? Oh, the, first, al- the, first, the first album I bought myself was, yeah. was a U2 at record. I'm, I've been a U2 guy for oh, all that's my life. So, yeah, so. I discovered yeah. U2 in Amsterdam years later. Yeah. But, so just to age myself, my first two were actual vinyl mm-hmm. at Johnny's Records, Um and it was uh, Live Cream Volume 2 and Jethro Tull Aqualong. Oh, yeah. And so so those, I came home and, and I even bought a red light and stuck it in my, um, my socket in my lamp and, <laughs> and, and a flashing thing. Too. No, I mean, and stuff that had a huge, I mean, I remember like the Bee Gees covering um, Sgt. Pepper, that, that record being a big influence on me, Casey and the Sunshine Band, mm. loved all that stuff. Uh, and then, yeah, but like... I, I started getting, you know, I mean, I had my brother's, all my brother's, like, record collections to go through. So my brother had every Dylan record he had. So, I mean, those tapes were, like, my, me trying to go out on my own, and it I failed miserably, and I went back to the classic, the more classic stuff. And then it wasn't until years later, I think, moving to Portland and really just, like, getting to loosen up a little bit, you know, which was great, was such a great thing about Portland being myself, and I just started to, like, learn to love like all kinds of stuff, you know, learning to love Twisted Sister again, learning to love Cheap Trick, you know. So is this, when you moved out here, this was your first time to be you and not yeah, the younger brother? For Just, sure. And, you know, because I mean, even when I was in New York, I mean, it's like, you know, there were my close. family, friends, like, yeah, no, first, for sure. When I came out to Portland, I was allowed to be, allowed myself to be myself. And what year was that? 2002. Oh, that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I depends how you look at it. But it I, I'm just thinking, who, yeah, I'm just thinking, you only preceded me by three years, and so I'm getting to the point now where I hear other people, and most other people are saying I got here in 2008, nine, and it's easy yeah. for me to say that's what I was doing then. But 2002, yeah, um, I was here in '94, '95. Oh, you doing, were doing Habitat, and then so I was exposed to the city then, you know, and and but didn't ha- didn't really know about food or. I went like gosh when I started working for Mario Batali in New York, which was and right, how did right that, that come about? Well, so I was going to that natural foods cooking school, right. and I had to do an externship for it. Which, unlike the CIA, and the whole thing was like I was try. I looked at the culinary Culinary Institute of America and uh, 
the French culinary Peter Combs and all that stuff, you know, in New York. And clearly this was like the only one I could afford kind of. And, and like they didn't, they also like, they didn't make you do this really long externship. I only had a couple of weeks, which is kind of silly in retrospect. You, I, in retrospect, I would love to have had three months in a great yeah, but restaurant, you found, but you found your way. I mean, but I you're, did. You're... I was, um, it was really funny. I, uh, the Mar- Mario is a, um, a teacher at the school. um, Gosh, this is terrible, Jerry. I can't remember your last name. I'm sorry. Uh, that she's, if he's listening, I'll be impressed. I know. Well, yeah, <laughs> she recommended that. Or uh, she. I'm sorry. That uh, I go check out this chef Mario who has this restaurant in Jerry the village. Hall. Let's just say it was Jerry Hall. <laughs> Jerry Hall. <laughs> and uh, she said, "Tell Keith to pick you up and take you down to Poe." Um, so I went down there and, and I immediately just fell in love with the restaurant. You know, it was like you walk in there and it's hard not to. It's this cute little one room um, shotgun little restaurant in the in the West Village and white tablecloths just like and it smelled and felt like my aunt's house, you know. And so um, my aunt is from Apulia. So, I mean, it was just like I, I just loved it right away. And so and then and, you know, and it's hard not to love Mario, too. I mean, unless, you know. Well, the key was getting him to love you to get to get in there. Yeah, so I did a stage there for, I, I, I or I, I did an externship for like a week, you know, there as a from the natural foods cooking school, or, and they they would just make me bone guinea hen and stuff for like the whole time I was there, or scoop ice cream, or not at the same time though. Um, and uh, I also was walking down the street with a friend of mine from that school one day down Fifth Avenue, and we saw a guy wearing a chef whites. And which was a really unique thing in 1994 or whatever it was. He, um, and it was this guy, Wayne Harley Brockman. Uh, Wayne Brockman was the pastry chef for Bobby Flay for a number of years. Wayne Brockman, he was also on the TV, the, the Food Network and all kinds of stuff. Like, been, like really established pastry chef. Great, great guy. Um, and so we started talking and we walked into, we walked back to Mesa Grill and we sit down and he offered me an externship in this pastry department. So I started, so when it was funny, I actually got, have this, had this really funny crossroads in my, um, in my history. I was right at that point. I was uh, living in New York and I had gone to this cooking school and I was offered a job at, at Mesa Grill starting out in the pastry department. And at the same time, I was also offered a job. My brother, Michael, who's the actor, his, his, best friend uh, Pete Ryan had started this school in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, very like kind of small focused art school. Um, but they, they taught like um, uh, blacksmithing and like this one kind of martial art and stuff. He started with uh, with John Hines, who is uh, Teresa Hines Carey's son. She, he's one of the Hines brothers. His his father was Senator Hines from uh, his stepfather is uh is, hey, we're in a no oh, yeah, ketchup wearing, shirt. Oh, yeah, we're Which ironic, I got a picture of, Yeah, yeah this is my ironic hipster shirt. Because <laughs> I love ketchup, actually. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, his stepdad is John Kerry, all that stuff. So he's John John Hines, really cool guy. Stayed out of all this stuff when John Kerry ran for office, in for president in 2004. Um, I, uh, I almost went to work. I almost went to that school and it would have been like a completely different life and, and all that if I'd done that. But um, I decided to start, take the cooking job and I worked at Mesa Grill for about a year. I started out in the pastry department 
Um, and I would see these mostly women in that kitchen, which, which was really awesome um, to be a part of and see and work work with all those wonderful women who I'm still friends with, many of them. Um, they uh, see everybody coming off the line just completely drenched in sweat, looking like they've just come out of war, you know, like, um, or at least Arnold Oliver Stone's um, impression of war. <laughs> and uh, they just like, you know, bandanas and like, you know, just totally a mess. And I just like, oh my God, I could never, ever do that. I'm like, those are super people. They, they obviously kind of do that. And then, you know, a month later I was doing it. And it just like, that gave you gave me such a huge amount of confidence. I was definitely kind of thrown into the fire at Mesa Grill. Um, and I survived. And so that gives you a lot of confidence as a cook for sure. And then I heard about a, a year later, I heard of a job opening at Poe and I was like, Oh, you know, this is my opportunity. And so I went down and staged and I got the job. They remembered me from my externship and, uh, and I got hired there and I kind of, I went full throttle working for Mario for a few years and until I developed really bad carpal tunnel syndrome in my arms and I had to stop. And so what was your solution to that? Move to Portland? No, I, I stopped cooking for a little bit. and I, had, way, I meant to ask, what did, what was your major? What were you? Oh, English, English. English writing and literature, yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, do, you do, do you do some writing? Uh, I'm working on doing a, I'm doing a proposal for a bunk book right now with my friend Jason Cohen. Um, and I, you know, I write stuff here and there. I, I, I mostly wrote poetry and, and um, song lyrics and stuff like that in my life, so... Uh, I'm trying to get back into that again. Every so often, I'll jot stuff down. Yeah, well, you're in a good place. We are pausing here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. Love the place, and whether you're in the dining room or the bar, always a seller experience. I have to say, um, we've been going there for a little while now. Yeah. I mean, of their 75 years, I know, you know, I think I first went there when we moved out here years ago and then for some special occasions and along the way, but lately been going quite a bit and uh, we had a new server. He wasn't new, but new to me. Right. Scott was a, was just provided such a wonderful thing and it calls into light, uh, brings into light how wonderful the service is at ringside, no matter who is your, who is taking care of you, it's always done with um, the utmost care mm-hmm. and pleasantness. I think so, I've had Scott a couple of times. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah. That was the first time. It's great. It was great. And then, there, of course, there's Jimmy in the bar mm-hmm. and Andy in the bar and Jellica in the bar. Yeah. Uh, all these you, great You go people. to the bar a lot there, Chris. No, I don't, but I, w- I was there last night. That's why it's all coming to mind. Um, and so in the bar now, at happy, they have a happy hour for the first hour they're open, the Bar menu is half off, and one of the things, a couple of things come to mind, shrimp cocktail, half off, yep. and also their burger is fantastic. Yeah. The uh, the happy hour is technically, just for happy hour in general, is Monday through Saturday, 9.30 to close, then Sunday from 4 to 5, that first hour they're open, but then the bar menu is half price right. the first hour they're open, and then during happy hour. And that's new. Yes. That's all that's, new. That's so. part of the whole... The whole part of the 75 year celebration, the redo of the whole place. And it's just, if you haven't been there in a while, go because you're going to find something, A, that you remember fondly and also something brand new. Right. And the, they have the most comfortable seats in the bar. You're not going to want to leave either. 
Right. So I think they do that on purpose. Yeah, I think there's probably some method to that yep. non-madness. It's great. So Ringside Steakhouse. And of course, this is holiday time. There's nothing better you can do for someone than get them a Ringside gift card right. for the holidays. Yeah. And so what you should know is right now with the gift cards, if you purchase 300 in gift cards for Ringside, there's a $50 bonus card in it for you. So you can use that for yourself. You can use the whole 350 for yourself. So just get a little added value. And also, if you buy $500 in gift cards to uh, Ringside, there's a $100 bonus card in it for you. And that... The bonus cards are valid for January and February 2020, so you got to get there soon, which is a great idea anyway. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking about all of the lobster mashed potatoes I could eat with, with that extra money. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot you can do with that. Oh, yeah. But, but even if you're not getting uh, gifts for people, which I think is a great idea, sure. but hedge your bet on going to ringside and get some extra value. 100 bucks for 50 That uh, What's the math there? 100 bucks. 20%? Something like that. No, yeah, There yeah, you go. Yeah. Ringside Steakhouse is the website. That's where you can get the gift cards. You can also book your next reservation there right on the website. Right. Perfect. And if this went a little long, (laughs) Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Ringside. You've been very good to us. Thank you you very much. Mm -hmm. I mean, because you're doing what you like to do. Totally. And you've got a radio show on xray.fm. Yep. Right? When holy do, we cred, pe- when do holy people find music that? Out. How do people find that? Just so we- uh, we're on every. Me and my partner Matt Brown are on every Monday from six to seven on X Ray FM. So ninety nine, ninety one point one, one hundred seven point one. Cool. And now you have, and you got bands coming into Bunk. Yes. Which is Bunk Bar. Yes. And we've, pro- since the get go, we've been doing that for. Seven years now. Right, but yeah. I'm just saying as far as living your, doing it the way you want to do oh, it. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. And, and, and putting together the things that you love. Totally, without a doubt, absolutely. I mean, doing pizza now is just, I mean, it's dreamy. It's the best. Did you have a pizza place in Connecticut that, that you remember? I mean, I had Post, did you know Post Corner Pizza in Darien? The yeah. Greek, the Greek pizza? Yeah, yeah, I love Greek pizza. Oh, I mean, that's man. definitely, the Greek pizza is, you know, the inspiration for us doing the cast iron pizza at Pizza Dirk. Um I, there's so many great, I loved Arcudis in Westport. I'm sure you, do you remember that? No. Oh man. I, may, must have, I may have been there one time. I don't God, know. It was there for a while. It was right where, um, that Carvel is closer to the Fairfield line. I don't know. Like right where, yeah, I know where that Barnes is. And Noble I now. used to go to the Car- Carvel on the Darien Norwalk yeah. line. Did you ever go to Old McDonald's farm? Was that <laughs> we around all when know you were where the Carvel was? No, I don't know Old McDonald's farm, oh, but it was man. like Stu Leonard when I grew up. Yeah. Um, but- but uh, Arcudi's was really good. They did like this fresh, like um, not a fresh tomato sauce, but like a very, like a not very seasoned tomato canned tomato sauce. You know what I'm talking about? So it was like came off as very fresh. Mm-hmm. Like it was seasoned with salt, but not a lot of garlic and oregano and that kind of stuff that you typically had. It was more like, and it was a pan, it was a square pizza that Arcudi's did. I don't know. It was so good. I used to love that. And then, um, but my favorite, there was a place in Bridgeport called Jenny's. Uh, that that would, to us was like it was the ultimate. And to me, or anyways, it was the ultimate Connecticut pizza. It's not not there anymore. Hasn't been there for years. But just scamorts, you know, just so good. <laughs> I mean, it was the best. It was, and uh, I I think you know it, it's funny to go back to Connecticut uh, 
now. And I mean, you know, I, I really would love to go back to Connecticut again. Well, we're talking about <laughs> at this stage of the game, we don't have it. But you and I are talking yeah, yeah. about doing a little Connecticut trip. Yeah. So um, I think that would be amazing. I think it'd be fun. So we're kind of at the planning stages now. So, But this is going to stream in a month. We might be closer in yeah. a month. Let's, I, I think it'd be a lot of fun. It would, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just funny. But I mean, it's like stu- I don't, my tastes have changed. Obviously, my palate's changed out, but I mean, it's funny, like, I think some, you know, some places are different, for sure. I mean, Pepe's is different, I think, a little bit, but they still do. I mean, what they, I think you just, everybody, it's very subjective what you like and what you don't like, but I mean, you know. Well, you know what happened? The media got a hold of it all. So when we were there, it was just (laughs) pizza places. I don't (laughs) consider myself... But they were just pizza places, and now there now there's Thrillist <laughs> and there's lists of all the greatest pizza, and it's just nonstop. Yeah, lists, and so now they're famous, and they have even more larger, longer lines. So they, in order to handle that, they had to open new Pepe's in six different locations. Yeah, which isn't the same. It's yeah, but it's still pretty damn good. I mean, right, so but good. I got the answer to that. There's two guys who ran Pepe's for 15 years, who opened up a place called Marco Pizzeria in Brantford. Same. Pizza's Pepe's awesome without the whole oh, to do. Oh, we should go there when we yeah, got well, that was That was some place I wanted to put on the list because uh, yeah. there we can arrange something. But at any rate. I mean, because all the places, yeah, I mean, the places that I loved and grew up with aren't really there anymore. I mean, even like Mike's Pizza in downtown Fairfield like is, you know, totally different than it. Did you was. guys hang out at the beach? Did you go down to the beaches A like little. in high school? Because that's all we did. Yeah. Was I, down to the yeah, beach. For sure, yeah. Huh. So, um, yeah, I was so just talking you- about that. I was just, I was just down at, uh, in Coos Bay and walking along this really cool beach. And I was just like, you know, the, it's funny. Like I have this, it's so in, embedded in me. I know, you know what I'm talking about is like going to the beach and there being the smell of French fries and hot dogs and all this stuff, because there'd always be a stand at the beach in Connecticut. And it was, it was just like, it was Awesome, the sand and the and the burgers, the sea the and the burgers work. and the yeah. But we weren't really Crinkle hanging out fries. on sand. We were just hanging out in the parking lot. It was yeah. in and out all night. People day and night. People totally, coming and yeah. going and beer and yeah. pot and all. it was especially. It was I mean, like because I mean, you're also in closer in age to my older brothers and and uh, I remember. I mean, I remember that. Like it was a different environment too. Like in Connecticut when they were growing up, eighteen was the drinking age. Right. It changed. Like right, my brother Michael. Um, who I think oh, he's going to kill me. I think he's like maybe like 53, 54, I think. But, um, he is, oh, he's not, maybe not that old yet. 52. I don't know. But anyways, it was kind of like right when he was, he was, he it was always this funny joke that like every time he would like a few months before he would turn 18, they would raise the drinking age to 19 and then they raised it to 21. Oh, they did it in increments? I don't know. I, it or was, something. It was yeah, 18 like, when I was there. Yeah. And we had open campus too. So we could drive on and off of campus all day long during school. There was no, we had a smoking area. Yeah, yeah. It was was kind of crazy times. The smoking area. I can't imagine what parents would do now if they found out there was a smoking area at school. That is hilarious. And and open campus. So we would go down. I remember, sorry to hijack your podcast. No, no. But we had power mechanics and I would, I had a Volkswagen and I would quote unquote test the idle. And the Volkswagen, and we go down to Weed Weed Beach. It was called Darian. And <laughs> no, it was, it was called Weed Beach. It that was, was the, that was not the nickname. It's still there. No, okay. It's still called Weed right. Beach. And I have the <laughs> sticker on my car, Weed Beach. Um, but we just go down there all day long. There was open campus. You didn't have to be in school. We had an cool. alley. We we had an alleyway behind the movie theater in downtown Fairfield that we used to hang out in. 
and it was called The Cobras. The Cobras? The Cobras was the name of the alleyway. I don't know. And what movies do you remember seeing there? I can't, this is, you know what's really funny? It's like one of the first times I ever got high. <laughs> really bad. I was in junior high school. I'm sorry, Mom. But uh, <laughs> Are you apologizing now? Yeah. <laughs> She's listening. Uh, so anyway... Um, it was, which was crazy. I mean, it was so rare. It doesn't like it didn't happen that much that you would be able to find weed and be able to like you know whatever get out of your parents' house. And I was, it was oh my just, god! You know. that was... So I was staying over at my friend Brian Jones's <laughs> house. He lived down near the beach, and then we snuck out of his house and met a friend down at the Cobras, and we're all getting high behind the movie theater, and we decided we're going to sneak into the movie, and we sneak into. Down and out in Beverly Hills <laughs> with Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, I was going to say, Richard, I think. Bette Midler. And I don't remember laughing so hard in my whole life. Yeah, I had the same experience at, <laughs> to age myself airplane. Yeah, going yeah, and, yeah. And I mean, Down and Out in Beverly Hills is pretty, is like a good aging myself <laughs> movies too. So I'm just so going to throw that out I w- there. I want to hear before, and we're going to jump, I want to hear a little bit about Ripe and Gotham City Tavern, how you got. Gotham City Tavern. Pardon me? Gotham. Oh, I didn't mean to correct you, but it's Gotham, no, please building, do. Gotham building Tavern. Gotham Building yeah. Tavern. So, um, I, you know, so we can't just assume that people know that history. So can you take us through who was there hey. and how important that was to the Portland food world? Uh, those of you that were there, it's a pretty incredible roster of, of yeah, now had, chefs. Totally. We had the, All right. So when I moved back here in 2002, I did... Um, my fr- my like one of my first jobs working t- am I doing right on time Pascal yeah, Satan uh, uh, at the River Place um, Pascal's now in France. in France awesome awesome wonderful human being um, <laughs> I was gonna say ask him about me I don't think he would say that but okay uh, well you know he's French so yeah <laughs> um I worked so then I worked at Genoa briefly which was really awesome opportunity while Kathy. Kathy Wims hired me there and she, you know, so she was still there and it was right kind of towards the end of her time there. But I did get to work with a number of amazing people at Chenoa, which was a great experience, including John Taboda and, um, who is at Navarre Navarre. and Luce and, yep. Um, sometimes you got to point these out. I actually had someone write me and say, when you mention these people, you got to give us last names and, Tell us who they are. Jerry Hysinga, who uh, runs Bark Mingo. And right. if you haven't been there, I'm Jerry is like one of my favorite, favorite cooks in the whole world. Um, gosh, I don't know. There's so many people I came uh, from working at Genoa. And then, uh, uh, but I also was kind of, I was working, I helped open, I was one of the, I mean, like there at Navarre when, when it's opening and I was working there a little bit. And that's where I met Michael Hebb. He came in one night and he sat at the bar and he was telling me that they were looking for a chef. Uh, Morgan Brownlow was there with Dan Spitz uh, running the um, catering. And, and do we know where Mar- Morgan is now? Now I don't know where Morgan is now. So he, he used to be a Clark Lewis. He was the chef then, at Clark Lewis. And he opened Tasty chef. and Alder for a week. <laughs> right. He was at People's Pig not too long ago. And, oh, no, and then that. he was he helped recently with Heart Pizza with Micah's um Micah Camden's pizza place. And I will say this that Jason French once told me he his best meal ever in Portland was one that Michael Morgan Brownlow prepared. So um, yeah, Morgan's just trying to put that in perspective for people who don't know. Chef. Yeah. Um and uh uh so they were leaving to go and open a restaurant in um Sausalito. 
which I don't I don't think it it actually ever happened. Oh oh yeah, because um I mean it's kind of one of those things where like so I I went to work for them and and we all kind of worked together. They didn't up, they never really kind of ended up going to California. And I said like one of the things I mean I was with Michael at the time I said, you know, Morgan is such a great a great cook. It's such a shame that you know, he's where we should try to keep him. And that was part of the impetus of Clark Lewis and how Clark Lewis started was we were like really trying to just keep Morgan in town. And, um, and of course, you know, thankfully, cause that was such a, it's such a great restaurant. And, uh, uh, we, uh, so, so Clark Lewis was a big success. We got the, um, Oregonian restaurant of the year when it opened and really kind of, I think, changed things a little bit in the Portland dining scene and showed that, you know, some upstart kids could do something really good. And, uh, and you know, ripe was going really well. We were doing family suppers, you know, Naomi would do a bunch and Naomi Pomeroy, Naomi Pomeroy, a, a beast. Beast. Yep. um, and you know, Naomi's fa- fantastic, fantastic chef. And, um, and so what started is like, so we then decided to take the Gotham building coffee shop, which, which we had always had and always been running, uh, and turn it into the Gotham Building Tavern. And I was really, you know, into the idea like of gas- the gastropub revolution sort of that was going on in England. I went for my honeymoon to to London to go and eat at some of these places. And um, I, which was in 2005, uh, I, and so we, the thing was, I think there was just like when we did Gotham, there was a lot of stuff. I mean, I there was... Uh, definitely the economics of it weren't really in place. And, uh, and then also, I mean, I think, you know, a, a lot of times we overshot it kind of like it was, it was, uh, it was kind of like a bunch fancy. of rock stars getting together without a real structure, right? <laughs> a little Is bit, it? a little bit. It was, I mean, yeah. So we had, it was Naomi and I started out as co-chefs together at Gotham. We were, um, we had brought on Troy McClarty from, from California, from, um, he was at Chez Panisse. And of course, Troy is now uh, has Bollywood theater, and uh, but it also been has been the chef. You know, it, it was at Lovely Hands and uh, it's been really all over the place, all over. And Portland. by the way, I aired Jason. There was Troy McCarty. <laughs> it wasn't Morgan Brown. Oh, okay. So if Jason's listening, Jason to French I, of um, Ned Lund. Of Ned Thank you. <laughs> <There we> go. <laughs> uh, you can start doing this with right. us. Um. And then our, you know, like our sous chefs were, or opening sous chefs were Gabe Brucker and Jason Barkowski. So, I mean, we, we definitely did have a super, super staff and, you know, and then Johnny Henry, who's at Inner Urban now and, uh, uh, Scott Vivian was there, who's a chef at Beast in Toronto. And, um, we, <laughs> we had this incredible, tra- you know, Travis Ingle has been, uh, the backbone of, a, of a lot of restaurants in Portland, you know, for sure. Uh, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of really great people have come. Um, from that, and yeah, that were, I would, that like, I would love to see the little mini series about that. <laughs> I, really, I think it would be really cool. I definitely think it would be like the Thornbirds a little bit. Yeah, yeah it would be mm-hmm. really cool. You know what really sucks? We we're just about out of time. Uh, we haven't even gotten to bunk. And oh, what yeah. got you into get what got you well, doing we'll that? To, maybe I'll have to come back. We'll I think to. that's the key. You know, two-parter. We're yeah. in year four and we're starting to do some repeats, but there's a good reason for that because <laughs> an hour isn't enough to cover really cool stuff. And you've got. So many different things going on. I said this before we came in here. We're never going to be able to cover it all <laughs> in, in an hour's period of time. Well, that's good. That makes me feel good about myself. And well, that's what the, we're here the for. Crap all I've you, done. You are an interesting guy. 
I can God, prove it. Gosh darn it. He is an interesting guy. <laughs> gosh darn it. So, um, so what's uh, just one quick thing? Why should people be going to Pizza Jerk and Bunk right now? What do you, what do you got anything new there or, or something that's not new that people should absolutely try? Yeah, um, there's definitely some some really cool things at Bunk that we've got going on. Uh, we've got some great people working for us. Josh Lubke at the Wonder Ballroom does some great, great specials over there. He's doing a burger now, a, a, a two-patty burger that's available, I think, like Thursday through Sunday. Uh, we're trying to get it all week there now. But, um, yeah, uh, he does some great specials. Um, Robert Lucas up at our Alberta shop who came to us from uh, Block and Tack. Block and tackle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's doing great. The the fried chicken sandwich at Alberta is just, it's great. It's really, really good. Um, so you have different menus at all your... And yeah, many, we do different specials, different things. Are the, there three bunks? There's four five. Bunks. There's five. Yeah, we have the original shop on Morrison. Um, I remember you from there when I used to come in there. Yep. And uh, man, that was tight. That's still my, you know, it's my favorite. I mean, and it's definitely the original. And we we now, Casey Burns just did a, an incredible mural uh, at the original shop of uh, Jodorowsky's Altopo, uh, um, so see a little that kind of like classic. I haven't opening been into there that. since Bunk Bar opened on oh, water. Yeah. That's where I. That's my yeah. go-to bunk because coming from Southwest. Oh yeah, it's totally. the easiest. Yeah, but we have a little shop downtown next to Little Bird, and then we've got um, the Bunk Bar on Water, Bunk Bar at the the Wonder Ballroom, and up on Alberta. Right. right oh yeah, that's Street. right. Yeah. I'm not, I'm and we're not. in the Moda Center and Providence Park and have the truck, too. How's you know that me? going? How's the Moda Center going? Awesome. Yeah, the Moda Center is a, a trip. Yeah, That's a blast working there. Cool. Blazers going to be good next year. Are you a Blazer fan? Yeah, I love the Blazers. I'm not, like, a big sports guy, so I couldn't, like, tell you if they're going to do well next year. Mm. I mean, yeah, they're going to do well next year. Well, you're year. hoping they do because <laughs> the more people that are there, they sell out anyway, right, whether they do, do well or not. you're. I, yeah, you're I mean, good. it's. I think, you know, yeah, I, th- I think they, they do really well, yeah. Um. Thanks for coming on. Thanks We've for been trying me. to get you on for a long time. I know. I know. I've and, been a little oh, bit. You don't need to apologize. It's just you know we got a, there are a lot of a lot of people to have on. So, so I just totally. eventually we find the day. I will say that. I mean, I we are so lucky here in Portland right now, especially. I mean, it just keeps getting better and better. There's so many talented, so many wonderful people in the restaurant industry. It's it's pretty amazing. And we're, just, we're, I wish I could get out to every one of the restaurants. It's hard. And and here we're in the city that's hitting a new stage in its life. Yeah. And so now you've got all the people that have worked for you who are now burgeoning and coming into their own and mm-hmm. doing their own thing. So it's just going to keep happening. We're people who work, work for people who work for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's, it, it's like some, I'm really feeling old right now sometimes. Don't. Don't. Because <laughs> you never, you ever listen to that Baz Luhrmann, that, that, uh, that sunscreen song? No. Yeah, you never, you just appreciate your age now because you'll look back in 20 years and go, man, I wish I looked that good. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it's been an honor. And you Thank and I you. have never really had the opportunity. We said this morning we had yeah. a little coffee before this. We never, we're always at events passing, hey, how are you? Yeah, haven't yeah. said much. So no, this was a nice, nice opportunity and I hope we can do it some more. And we'll, we'll schedule another one of these so Sounds we can good. talk about bunk and pizza jerk. Love to talk about pizza jerk. And I'm getting over there for a white clam soon. Right on. Cheers. Thanks, Court. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. 